Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I just can't help myself because... I'm excited when I watch Prodigy, but I also keep in my mind that we're just a couple weeks from Discovery, and I'm so excited about this idea of two Star Treks at the same time, two new episodes at the same time. Dan, I, I'm i just so excited about Prodigy and talking about episode three, or the second episode we got, but this is technically episode three called Starstruck, and welcome everyone to Positively Track. Dan, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well, really enjoying being back, talking about new episodes of Star Trek. And yeah, two episodes per week in just a couple weeks coming up. So uh, that's pretty crazy. I Yeah, Trek overload. But, you know, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing for sure. Yeah, you know, that's what we should have called our podcast is Trek overload. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm that extreme. I, you know, sit here with a little cup of tea Trek overload. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not really my, uh, not my brand. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. But if we had that, I picture myself getting like a big pickup truck with huge tires and put on the side, Trek overload. <laughs> you know, Ooh, like... You'd fit in well in Grand Prairie, everybody with their lifted pickups here. So yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Real quick, Dan, I met someone that uh, I'm talking to about joining our company and he's originally from... Toronto or somewhere in that area. I can't remember exactly where. And I, and, and we were just talking about Canada and I mentioned you and you live in Grand Prairie. He's like, wow. He goes, anytime I meet somebody from the United States that says, oh, I know somebody from Canada. They're always like in the Southern portion. You're like never from Grand Prairie. That's, that's really special there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like 90% of our population lives where that guy's from. So yeah. <laughs> right. Whenever same, same with me, whenever somebody says, Oh, I know so-and-so from Canada, they're always from Toronto. And you know, typically they ask, have you ever met him? Yeah, no, no, I, I've never met him. <laughs> no, he's right around the corner, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Toronto. It's very far away. <laughs> yes, and I'm not from Canada. I've been to Toronto a couple of times. So, hey, you just never know, right? <laughs> it's like growing up in Maryland as a kid. It's like anybody I meet that's from Maryland is always from the D.C. area it's or Baltimore. I never meet anybody from the part of the state that I grew up on. It's mm-hmm. rare. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Prodigy, and the episode is Starstruck. But before we get to that, we have some news items we want to touch on. And Dan, I saw here that you want to talk about Eagle Moss has an official Starship collection launching of the California-class USS Cerritos. Well, the the Starship collection is for all the ships of Lower Decks. But yeah, the very first ship of that is the California-class Cerritos. And we've talked about this before, uh, but uh, we just, just wanted to announce they are now open for pre-orders. So yeah, th- this is going to be, interestingly enough, a separate collection from the Star Trek Universe collection. They've decided to separate out the Lower Decks ships. Uh, and issue number one, the USS Cerritos, is coming in January So uh, you'll want to get that pre-ordered if you want that in your collection. I certainly do. Uh, And then from there, they're going to continue with the Ships of Lower Decks. And we already learned, of course, before that the second one will be the Luna-class USS Titan, as seen in Star Trek Lower Decks. And then after that, all the other ships of, of Lower Decks, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, I love Starfleet ships. So, you know, there's the USS Osler we saw in season one, the USS Vancouver. I think that would be really cool. Uh, in this latest season, we got the USS Archimedes. I would love to have that in my collection. And then of course, there's all the other non-Starfleet ships as well, like Packlid ships and Vulcan ships and all of that. So I don't know. This collection looks pretty cool. I don't think I'm going to subscribe to this, but there are a few ships here and there that I would love to add to my collection. 
definitely the Cerritos leading that pack. Now, didn't they already release a USS Titan ship? Yeah, and and we talked about that in a previous episode as well. That was a, a a smaller version in the regular Starships collection. It was a special issue done because of a fan petition to uh, release it because it was non-canon at the time. So they wanted to gauge how much interest there was in it. And it turns out there was a lot and they sold those. But uh, now that it's a canon ship, uh, this will be the version that is seen in Lower Decks and it will be significantly larger than that initial release for sure. So Riker has upgraded to a bigger ship in the Eagle Moss collection. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. (laughs) So what are the chances that they'll make that alien that we see in the opening credits sucking on the Cerritos? Remember, we want one of those. They have to do that. I don't know if they will. That would be really cool. If nothing else, I'm sure there's somebody with a 3D printer out there that has had that same idea because I would love to have that stuck on the nacelle of a Cerritos. That would be awesome. <laughs> but you can also have it stuck on other ships too. So you can have it attacking all bunch of ships, even like the NCC-1701 or the NX-01 Enterprise. You could have that creature going on and attacking them all. We could actually do a comic or a novel based on that creature that's what that, we need that would be cool <laughs> <laughs> so other things that we want to mention about is since we're talking about star trek prodigy what is this about a movie or possible movie it looks like they're looking to do something possibly in the future that nickelodeon would release a prodigy movie in theaters that would be pretty cool so this is all coming from a recent interview with brian robbins who's of course the ceo of paramount pictures and he's talking kind of about the future of the movie franchise and that sort of thing and talking up prodigy which of course we've recently just started watching we're going to be talking about episode three in the in this podcast but it's the one thing that struck me about it, and of course struck uh, Brian Robbins as well, is that it is so cinematic in its scope and how it looks. So uh, one of the comments that he made, and and I mean, the, the idea of a Prodigy movie isn't exactly the main thrust of this article, but it is the clickbaity title that everybody's using because of these comments that were made. And he was saying that the data on measuring Prodigy as a success is pretty obvious. We're going to be patient because we think the show is fantastic and creatively just exceeds all expectations. I have no doubt that we'll be doing more. Alex Kurtzman and I have talked about what the theatrical film version of this show is and the likes of that. We're really excited. Ramsey and our Nickelodeon team could not be more thrilled to explore more. So he was basically looking at the premiere of the show at the New York Comic Con uh, and said, uh, to be honest, we've talked about it as as a theatrical movie. I can't lie. When I sat there at New York Comic Con, I wished it was. And I get it. Like, this is so cinematic looking that it would do really well in the future film franchise, I think. And that could be where we see it go in the future at some point. The last time I went to the theater to see a Nickelodeon movie was a SpongeBob SquarePants movie. (laughs) <laughs> it was the live action mix with the animation. I took yeah. my daughter to go see it like at a dollar theater place. And that was a while ago because, you know, she's getting ready to go to university next year. So, uh, yeah, she was much younger back then. But I, I mean, I can definitely see this happening because Nickelodeon does this. A lot of their properties that succeed well on the network end up either with a movie in the theater or direct to video release at some point. We may be seeing a lot more Prodigy outside of this series. Um, It may Mm -hmm. be movies. It may be other special content that you get elsewhere. Like I said, direct to home video or something. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting model because we've never had anything like this in Star Trek. We've never had a Star Trek series related to a network like Nickelodeon. And they do things a little different there. So it's going to be a fun play to see what happens with Prodigy. It's going to be a little different for us. Yeah, definitely. One of the other things in this article that I'll link to from TrekCore as well that really caught my eye was uh, the hinting that Prodigy may be the first Star Trek series specifically aimed at towards kids, but that it might not be the last one. And that's interesting that, you know, if this is is a success and it opens up this world for Star Trek, we may see more, not just Prodigy, 
but other things kind of geared towards that younger audience. So uh, this may be, like you say, the start of huge things to come, not just for Prodigy itself, but for Star Trek kid-themed content as a whole. And, and now that we're talking about this, it just dawned on me. For example, I've gone to Universal Orlando, the theme park, and they have a Nickelodeon area. I'm wondering, we could see a, a Star Trek Prodigy-themed ride at Universal. That would be cool. I never thought of that. That would be that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I remember going to Universal to a Nickelodeon show where they like were sliming kids and all. I don't even think they have that show anymore. But yeah, you'll find stuff like that. So maybe we'll even see a crossover with SpongeBob SquarePants. That hmm. that would be interesting. <laughs> I don't want to see that, Dan. I'm 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 just kidding. That could be interesting. We saw. Uh, did we see SpongeBob in that advertisement? With like Pike and them climbing the Paramount Mountain was oh my Sponge- gosh you're right we did <laughs> and Paw Patrol I think with Anson Mount so eh, eh. <laughs> so we have seen crossovers with SpongeBob and other Nickelodeon friends <laughs> <laughs> I really I really hope that's non-canon <laughs> <laughs> it is it is well I don't know it was on screen if it's on screen mm-hmm. it's canon <laughs> oh wow. So, speaking of on screen, yes, if you're in the United States and you have Paramount Plus, for the first time ever, we have all 13 theatrical Star Trek movies available on the service all at the same time together. And I did notice this the other day. It was like a week or so ago. I went in there and I saw all the original 10, and then I saw Into Darkness and Beyond. The only one that was missing was was 2009. So I had to call my wife over and I said, look, honey, look, they've got all the movies but one. If they can only just get one, they've never had all 13, but they always seem to miss at least one or two. And then this happens. We get it. The last one in there, Star Trek 09, and the whole library is there. That means every TV series of Star Trek, every movie of Star Trek is now available in one service. And that is so awesome and cool to me. But at the same time, I'm not getting too excited because I have a feeling at some point some of these movies may move off again and then come back again. They're like (laughs) boomerangs, you know? Uh, Well, I hope they stay on there. I mean, I, I of course, don't get Paramount Plus. I'm I'm not in that uh, service area, I guess. But that's exciting that all 13 movies are there. Now, as far as the versions of them go, the first four TOS movies are the circa 2009 theatrical versions, uh, not the new 4K remasters that were released digitally and on disc a couple of months ago. Uh, and the, all the TNG movies and the rest of the TOS movies are also from that era with the 5.1 audio. Uh, so not the most current up-to-date. We, of course, don't have the director's cut of the Wrath of Khan or the motion picture yet, because of course we do know the 4K remaster of the director's edition of the motion picture is coming next year exclusively to Paramount Plus. So there's more to come with Star Trek films, but uh, really excited that all of them are there. Other streaming services do carry a bunch of the movies, but Paramount Plus right now is the only place to get all 13 of them. So Uh, You know, one more reason to subscribe to the service if you don't have them all on Blu-ray already. (laughs) Absolutely. I predict that these will stay for quite a while. And when I say quite a while, maybe a few years. I mean, I'm not saying indefinitely, but a lot of these studios are trying to keep things in-house on their own, keep their own property on their property. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they want to represent all their titles in the service so when you subscribe to paramount plus you're getting a lot of content and they'll still farm it out to others but i don't think they'll do as many exclusive deals that say oh well i just gave the digital rights over to let's say netflix or hulu or whatever so i have to take it off my digital service i i don't think they'll be doing as many exclusive releases they'll still release them to other services like you mentioned they're on other services but I think they'll keep them also in-house. They won't be as exclusive. Um, they're not going to assign exclusive digital rights to other providers. Well, as this article on Trek Movie does say, they have completely changed their policy towards licensing third parties, making Paramount Plus the priority. So I, I personally don't see these movies leaving anytime soon. I think now that they have the rights for all 13 on the on the platform, they're not going to give them up. 
<laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So I think we're good. I think we're going to see them stick for quite a while, unless things disrupt in the industry again. But yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. Even though I bought the Blu-ray set to have them on digital, I'm still glad I bought the Blu-rays because it has all the extra features and the commentaries and such. So it, it still was a good buy for me. So I'm very happy with that. So after we're done recording here, maybe I'll turn on Paramount Plus and just randomly pick a movie. I can do my thing with Siri where I can say, give me a number between 1 and 13. And then I can just play whatever it chose for me since I'd like to do that random stuff, you know? Nice. <laughs> I wish I was right there with you watching. That would be a lot of fun. Let's all come over. Everybody come over to the house. We're all going to watch a random Star Trek movie. So. You know, what's funny, yeah. Bruce. I've podcasted with you for years now. We've never watched Star Trek together. That's kind of, that's just weird to think about. It is kind of weird to think about, isn't it? We've watched the same star trek stuff mm -hmm. and then talk about it but you're right we've never watched it together we've never done like a commentary hmm interesting <laughs> i can see the wheels turning oh we should do a commentary <laughs> episode sometime soon <laughs> so the last thing i want to discuss is this documentary the center seat 55 years of Star Trek. Its premiere episode was this past Friday on the History Channel. And I was planning to watch it. I thought maybe I'd watch it over the weekend, but I watched it live as it aired. And I didn't know if I'd like it or not, you know, but I have to say that I really, really like this documentary. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really sad. I haven't had an opportunity yet to see it i'm not sure how i'd be able to i don't have cable or anything like that so uh, i'm hoping maybe they put this out in a little collection at some point and i could maybe pick that up but uh, I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on it because i've heard a lot of things from various people and uh some surprises of people that are in it i don't know if any of them are in this first episode that you've seen but i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it yeah, so of course, it's narrated by Gates McFadden. You don't see her, you just hear her narration. But then there's other people that you do see that they're making comments and they're, they're talking about the history of Star Trek. And it really starts at the very, very beginning with Lucille Ball, which mm. I really enjoyed that piece of it because I've seen some documentaries and other things that mentions Lucille Ball's involvement to getting Star Trek going. But they didn't just mention that, oh, Desi Lu Studios did this. They then went back and gave you a brief history about how Desi and Lucy got together, how they started the I Love Lucy show, how that grew, and they started the reruns and all, you know, all this stuff about you know, this history of Desi Lu Studios and how it became what it was and then where it was at this point when Star Trek started. So I really appreciated that depth of information about Desilu because a lot of times it's just mentioned that, oh, mm -hmm. wow, Lucy was involved in getting Star Trek on the air. And this really went in some depth. So I, I like that. That was really good. That's really cool. Yeah, I remember the pre-release information. The uh, the producers of the documentary were really excited about that Lucille Ball story. So uh, it makes sense that it starts there. That's really cool. I, I'd oh man, you're making me want to watch this more and more. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And then of course they give you some information about Gene Roddenberry and what he was doing, which led up to the creation of the series, and. Of course, a lot of us big Star Trek fans know a lot of this information, but it's also fun to hear it retold. And I mean, there might be little bits of information in there where I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Or, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But, you know, they talked about Jeffrey Hunter and the first pilot and then doing the second pilot with William Shatner and, you know, keeping Leonard Nimoy on. I mean, that whole thing building up into the original series. And, of course, our friend Larry Nemechek was on there occasionally mm, giving excellent. some spiel on things, and, but among some other people, including a woman who played one of the Telosians, one of the actresses who played the Telosians, on there, too. She's talking about the pilot episode, which I thought that was really cool, too. Oh, that's really neat. One thing that this is bringing to mind, and again, I haven't seen this, but... I have to imagine there are a lot of new Star Trek fans out there whose first Star Trek is Discovery or maybe the new Star Trek movies. 
I think this is a really cool thing for some of them to probably stumble across and watch, especially given that, you know, Pike was introduced in season two of Discovery and they can kind of see the original Pike and how that all started 55 plus years ago. You know, like that's pretty cool. I, I, I don't know. I just occurred to me that like there's probably some young fans out there like I've enjoyed this Star Trek thing recently. I should check this out. And that might be a really fun way to introduce this information to someone. Like you say, we've heard it all before. This is just kind of a repackaging of some information that we've we've heard before. Some we haven't. Of course, there's going to be new stuff. But for a new fan, this is just all brand new in this neat little package that they get to watch this 10-part series. So I'm kind of envious of people learning this for the first time because that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's it's quick paced. I mean, they go into a lot of information, but you are covering fifty five years in this ten part series, mm-hmm. so it moves fast. It has a but it has a nice pace to it. It's not like it's going by too fast and they're just skimming through things. It's like it really has a nice pace to it. They're covering things in depth, but keeping it going. You know, just moving it along. And like I said, it, they're still within the original series. So I'll watch the next episode on Friday and let you know how that is. But I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm going to be watching the whole thing. Excellent. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this being like a little bit of a regular feature for the next 10 weeks. You know, it's going to be fun to hear your thoughts on this. And it's just going to make me want to watch it more and more. I really hope there's a way I can I can see this at some point. Well, one point I kind of forgot that was on that night because I'm not used to thinking, oh, new Star Trek on Friday nights, right? Because I just watched Prodigy the day before. And then I thought, oh, it's so bad that, you know, I don't have a new Star Trek stuff to watch tonight or whatever. And then I realized, oh, wait, I do. Mm. (laughs) You know, so it was fun. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I'm I'm envious and uh, I can't wait to hear more about it. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Prodigy, but we'll be right back after this brief message. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, Carl Morris, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to help out Positively Trek, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can help out at any level and get early access to episodes, exclusive content. And at higher levels, you can get shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you so much to all of you who have already pledged your support. And to everyone else, thank you so much for listening. And with that, let's get back to the show. We don't need her help. We can plot our own course. Which way is Federation space? Here, in the Alpha and Beta quadrants. Then we want to go all the way over this place. I must caution you, that little red dot represents us. Just tell us how to get there, Hollow Nanny. You're the captain. Okay, so let's talk about the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Starstruck. And I loved how this started off. First of all, the theme song was at the beginning this time and not at the end. So I was wondering, because when we saw episodes one and two squished together, they saved that for the end of episode two to play. And I wondered, is that how they're going to do it going forward from now on? But no, it comes at the beginning, just like every other Star Trek episode. And I, you know, I wonder if sometimes we'll even occasionally get a cold opening before the theme comes on. Could be. Yeah. No, that made sense for the first couple episodes, of course, because of the reveal of the ship. You know, you don't want to give it all away in the, in the opening credits. That's one thing that always kind of like, you know, there's the big reveal of the Enterprise NX-01 in Enterprise, but we see it at the end of the opening credits, you know, and Voyager as well. They have all the ship flybys before we get to really see Voyager on screen. I like that they held that off here for the end of episodes one and two. And then now it's in its proper place at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it just also feels like a Star Trek tradition to just have it at the beginning and not always at the end anyway. But to your point, it's like that excitement. You know, the music plays, you see the ship flying around, and it gets me like in the mood, right? You know, before the episode starts, it's like, yeah, I'm gearing up. It's like creating that atmosphere of prodigy before the episode starts. And I can't get that theme song out of my head. I mean, it's it's so so good, good. isn't it? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but I just go around the house going, dun, 
and I'm just like, ah, it sticks, sticks in my head like all the time. And I'm like, it's got to be good if it, I'm like playing in my head all the time. Now, Michael Giacchino, man, he's, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, it's like his music, his theme songs for the Star Trek movies. Um, I don't know if I ever mentioned this before, but we had a fan, a ceiling fan in our guest bedroom for a while that was ticking. And I, I fixed it since, but um, my kids were used to me, like, you know, tapping things and I'd go, and I would go into the guest bedroom and the fans go around. You had your own little metronome. I like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I need awesome. to get one of those now just for that reason. <laughs> nah, total sidebar. I remember listening to or watching Star Trek 2009 and the, the piece of music enterprising young men, which is what plays as they approach the enterprise for the first time in the shuttlecraft. I was always thinking that would make an amazing opening theme for a new Star Trek series. And I, I, you know, because we had the theme from Star Trek, the motion picture, and then they used it in TNG. And I was like, well, this is a restart of the, the Star Trek movies. Let's use this theme on, you know, some TV show coming up, but uh, alas, it was never to be, but Michael J. Kino still gets to do the, the theme for prodigy anyway. Yeah, and I, some may have heard the story of when I met Michael Giacchino. I asked him if he would write a theme song for me. Like, my, I wanted my own theme song for him to write. And he asked me if I had a checkbook with me. And I said, no. And he goes, well, then I can't write you your own theme song. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, why would he want money? Come on, do it for free. No. So, I've told my kids, you know, they knew that story. And I've told them, I said, I like to think that the Prodigy theme is what he would have written for me. So, mm, that's the no. Bruce Gibson theme. If I had ch had my checkbook with me, that would have been mine. No. <laughs> Whatever you say, Bruce. <laughs> well, let's just say it would have been as good as that, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. That I believe. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, okay. The episode starts off like immediately where episode two left off. Like you could sandwich this in with episode one and two and make a mini movie out of it, which made me wonder if that may have been even some intention of maybe possibly doing something like that. Cause it really picks up on the bridge with Janeway right there talking to the crew of greenhorns or the cadets. Yeah. I like that, that it picked right up there and they're, they're still looking at this hologram. Like, what is this? Her forehead's so smooth. She's so funny looking. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so cool to just see her standing there and being the, like the captain and talking to these cadets or who she thinks are cadets and stuff. And they're starting to struggle like, yeah, uh, so yeah, tell us, remind us again what the Federation is. Yeah, tell us a little bit, Starf, like just tell us stuff. And she goes into this whole speech about what the Federation is and what it means and to boldly go where no one has gone before. And all I kept thinking was, this is Janeway telling the next generation of kid viewers mm -hmm. what Star Trek is. How awesome was that? That was beautiful. Like that was what a great introduction to the whole idea of Star Trek and even kind of working in the like to boldly go where no one has gone before seeking out strange new worlds, all that stuff. That was terrific. Like it was just a beautiful little primer about what Star Trek is and what the, what the foundations of this universe that we all love are, you know, and, and I was, I was giddy watching that. I know it's a show for kids where I'm going to stop saying that because we all know that moving on. I'm right. That, like I'm a wide eyed kid watching this going like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just say it's for fan. Well, no, let's just say it's for all ages. We'll say it like mm -hmm. that. We know it's a show for all ages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed pausing just to see some of these images that are on screen, like the different symbols and the different ships. And I kept thinking, Dan, you had to have been pausing that too, right? I wasn't, but I, I want to go back and do that. No, yeah, uh, I, I've been watching it with Nikki. So, you know, I've been 
I've been a little nicer about like pausing every little thing because <laughs> that gets a little anno- annoying, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm trying to picture Nikki like, oh my gosh, Dan, this episode is only like 24 minutes long and we're already an hour and a half into this because you keep pausing it. <laughs> no, that's, uh, and, and shout out if he's listening, that's me watching Star Trek with my friend Patrick. We, we will, it'll go like two and a half minutes and we'll pause and talk about something and yeah, it takes about three hours to get through an episode. <laughs> Maybe this is why I haven't watched a Star Trek episode with you. <laughs> That's a good long. point. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be getting more snacks like, hold on, stay right there. Let me get something else to eat because I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I have a habit of eating too much popcorn. I, you know, when I this is the problem with watching TV for me is I want to snack every time I sit down, like in the evening or something, I'm going to sit down and watch something. I always feel like I have to snack. That is not good for my diet. And then they come out with Cheetos popcorn. I don't know why, but I've been obsessed with Cheetos popcorn lately. And I keep eating it all the time. And I, I literally could eat a whole bag in one sitting. I don't, but I could. So that's Mm. my new thing now is Cheetos popcorn. There's always some snack that I have to have for a while, and then I get tired of it and I move on. No. It's just crazy. And I got to stay away from ice cream. That's that's the worst. So (laughs) anyway, um, I did notice a Defiant class ship, or I'm assuming it's the Defiant. I did see like several of the different enterprises we've had. I saw a Voyager. I'm sure I'm missing something. I saw like a shuttlecraft. So I didn't really pause it. I just briefly paused and then looked real quick, you know. Well, the Discovery was there too, or at least a Crossfield yes. class starship. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I was forgetting something. Yes. I know that was the last one I noticed. I was like, oh, they, they put in Discovery in there. I don't know if the Cerritos was there. I didn't even notice that. I, I didn't see the look. Cerritos. Uh, there's yeah. a bunch of shuttlecraft as well. Yes. So let me ask you this. If this thought occurred to you too. So I'm watching Janeway tell them about the Federation and what it is. And our crew is all very much, wow, oh, that's so cool. And I thought, so the ones that are from species in the Alpha Quadrant don't know about the Federation. I thought Mm -hmm. that was interesting because, you know, we speculated, were they captured from the Alpha Quadrant and brought to this mining colony or whatever? And But they... They would know about the Federation, I would think. So it tells me that they're not from the Alpha Quadrant. Like, you know, that they've lived and or were raised or wherever in the Delta Quadrant. Well, we know that everyone there is brought there as kids, though. So, you know, I I, I think like Rock Talk, for example, doesn't know any food other than that type of food they got there. So uh, right. they're, they are obviously from the Alpha Quadrant, but... You know, maybe they just have never been exposed to that and don't know. And that's all they've ever known is kind of that place is that's what I got from it. So Jacob Pog, how old is that guy? Because he seems older to me. That's that's the one that really stood out to me because I was like, yeah, he, I don't has know. He been how there old as a kid all that time. <laughs> I don't know. They They haven't revealed any of that information to us yet. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's the one that really stood out to me. It's like, yeah, because you're saying they're captured as kids. It's like, okay, so maybe they don't remember. They they don't, you know, they really weren't that familiar with the Federation. But I thought, Jack and Pog, though, he seems kind of older. I would think, he, I don't know. I guess anyway, mm-hmm. it was just something well, I was just. And the other thing about. is too, when they're talking about the Federation and they show the four founding races, one of them's a Tellarite. So I kind of right. kept waiting. I kind of kept waiting for you know, him to recognize that or something like that. And it never happened. So yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something else going on here that we don't know yet. I think. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they give us all the answers in the first episode? <laughs> right? No, that's what we're doing, right? We're playing a series so we can get some reveals as th- things go on, as things go on. I was like, the things go on. We'll get some reveals there, you know? So, <laughs> anyway, I love how Dow calls, Janeway hollow nanny that cracked me up (laughs) I want to call her hollow nanny from now on (laughs) yeah that's one thing like we can talk a little bit about doll in this episode I I gotta say and I know we're positively trek but man that kid was annoying me by the end of this episode (laughs) that kid needs to listen and he needs to admit when he's in over his head but uh, he got a little bit tiresome as the episode went on I think 
I mean, I know we're on a character arc and, and he's learning his lessons here and stuff, but, uh, man, if, uh, if there are many more episodes where it's like, he makes a bunch of mistakes and gets everybody in trouble until he finally asks for help at the end of the episode, I'm going to get real tired of that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. He didn't annoy me, but I can definitely see that. I could see that if we were doing this almost every episode, I might get a little tired of it. But yeah, towards the end of the episode, he does admit that, you know, he can ask for help. I mean, that's what a natural born captain would do, right? You know, he's so into himself that even when he makes a mistake and he corrects it, well, you know, I'm just doing what a captain would do. I'm so awesome. I'm so cool. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Gwen to just keep putting him in his place. Or even Zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when Zero kind of calls him on his stuff every once in a while. Angus Imry, can I just call out this guy as just an amazing part of this show that I was kind of not really thinking of going into it? Not one of the big names that I was really excited about. But his portrayal of Zero is so good. And just even the little bits like... uh when at the end Janeway nudges them in the right direction of like flying into the, into the wave and, and getting out that way. And Dahl's like, Oh, you must've read my mind to zero. And zero's like, no, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to say after watching this episode that right now zero is my favorite character. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. Cause Uh There was something about Zero when I was watching this episode that made me think he feels like the Spock of the Mm -hmm. series or the Seven of Nine or the Data, you know, on and on. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. And I really like this. You know, I really like this Mm -hmm. character. I still don't know why he doesn't have his legs anymore. (laughs) I want to know why. And it's it's still I noticed a couple times in this episode he had them and he didn't have them. And I'm going like, I don't I can't. I don't know when he has them and when he doesn't. I don't know the reason for that. <laughs> Maybe it's just that he he doesn't need them until he gets tired or something, and then he needs them hmm. for a while. He can't keep floating all the time. I don't know. I do kind of expect that to be answered at some point. It just seems odd to me. It's like me. I don't really need to wear glasses, but every once in a while, if I'm going to drive a long distance, I do have glasses to wear that just kind of help my eyes stay focused a little more and everything looks a little more clear so they don't get as tired. So maybe that's the way it is with his legs. He's got reading legs, (laughs) like reading glasses. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So then Dow, they throw Gwen in the brig and zero wonders if Gwen's resistance to his telepathy is something that has been inherited because he can't read her father's mind which I thought was interesting too. So we're learning a little more about her species from that, or at least her bloodline. And uh, she says, hey, my father's going to come after you. You know, you may lock me up in here, but he's coming. And I thought, you know, the baddie of this series is going to show up pretty soon and it's going to get really intense. And he just seems like a real typical bad guy like i need my revenge and i need my ship but i have a feeling we're going to find out some interesting things about him what do you think of this villain we didn't get a whole lot of him in this but he's certainly getting ready to come after them obviously because he's taken off in his ship the rev 12 yeah so first of all this ship that was impressive that that whole like control tower of this facility is this ship and yeah that's scary looking that looks pretty cool but John Noble as the diviner. I am really looking forward to seeing more of this guy because yeah, John Noble is such a terrific actor. What little we've gotten of him. Yeah. I've seen this, that he seems like a typical kind of mustache twirly villain, but I definitely see that there's some depth there. There's some, there's some more to his plan that we don't know. Like I I feel like there's a lot of, roundness to this villain that that we're just not seeing yet there's a lot more here than what it appears so yeah i'm really excited to learn more like you said not much of him in this episode but i feel like maybe episode three episode four i guess will pick up with him i i feel like we're due for a lot more of him yeah so i'm curious to see how that that plays out and then 
you know, other things that I liked about this episode was the interaction between Rock Talk and Gwen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, even though I said that I think from this episode zero, I'm finding out right now is my favorite character, but my favorite moments in this episode were between Rock Talk and Gwen because Rock Talk is pointing out to her, you know, we're not the bad guys. You're, you're the one who's been supporting the bad guys. And I wrote it down where Rock Talk says, for so many years, you watched them take us, how they treated us. Why didn't you stop them? And Gwen's like, my father told me, I thought you were criminals. And Rock Talk, I just love says, you know, the only crime we committed was getting caught. And mm-hmm. yet Rock Talk gives her the food, the peace offering, you know? I just love that because Gwen obviously has been misled. And now we're seeing that fabric being woven of how she's going to fit in with this crew, that she's going to start to realize that what she's been told from her father hasn't been the truth and that these people are the good guys and her father is the bad guy. And I really love how this is all being established in this episode for her. Yeah. So you're saying at this point, Zero is your favorite character. At this point for me, Rock Talk is my favorite character. And Nice. That that innocence in her voice and that kind of plaintive sadness when she confronts Gwyn in that scene. Like, I have to admit, when I watched that scene, when she said, you know, you saw how they treated us. Why didn't you stop them? I was just like, <gasps> my breath caught a little bit in my throat. And, you know, you see this big hulking rock creature But what you hear and what you ultimately end up seeing, even though she looks the way she looks, is a little girl who's been hurt. And there's just something primal about, I guess, maybe adults or or people that when they see that, they just immediately want to protect that person. And I just immediately want to protect Rock Talk and make sure she's okay, you know? That's one thing that this series has been about fundamentally that I think is just so interesting is that appearances are deceiving and not everything is, is how they appear. And rock talk is just the embodiment of that. And for me, the other moment is when she and Gwyn are fighting in the shuttle bay and Gwyn turns off the gravity and rock talk starts floating in the air and her, whimpers and cries just were so real. It was like a little girl who's, you know, out of her depth and doesn't know what's going on and is confused and scared. And and it was just like, Oh, this is so good. And she's played so well by this young actress. I I'm just, I'm continually impressed by the performance and by the writing and the animation of this character. And she sounds like a little girl, but what she says is so intelligent and so grown up. And at the same time, they give her enough that just reminds us that she's still this innocent little girl. Like you said, the sound she's making. And at one point she says to Gwen, why should I listen to you? You never helped us. You're a bad lady. And it was like just mm-hmm. that ending line, you're a bad lady. Just says she's so little and innocent inside of that big hulking creature you know and it's just i would say rock talk was my second favorite yeah in this episode really loved rock talk more than i ever thought i would the other line that just really reminds me of like a little girl and i've even heard kids talk this way and it's so perfect was when janeway was telling them all about the federation and and the mission statement of starfleet and stuff and rock talk says i like to boldly go or at least I think I do. <laughs> I just love that. That was like, that was so perfect. Yeah. And even her trying to pronounce Federation, Fred, what, you know, whatever she mm-hmm. said, you know, can't say it right. Yeah. It's just a reminder that, you know, this is a little girl and uh, no matter how big, but I like to think that she's a little girl and she only looks big because she has a big heart. There you go. So. Mm. <laughs> but, there was so much I loved in this episode, even just when they finally ask for Janeway's help. Dow finally is just like, okay, Janeway, I need your help. Where are you? And she's like, well, you know how to keep a lady waiting. And she's got her coffee. I was like, the coffee. We got the coffee. I'm like, yes. I mean, you had to put the coffee in there, right? 
That was my favorite moment, probably, where she's finally asked for help and she takes a look around and just takes a big sip and then says, <laughs> all right, let's get to work. <laughs> that was great. You know, keep them waiting for a few seconds, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, she's playing it cool. Okay. You know, I'm the confident one. I know what I'm doing. Sip coffee. <laughs> but of course, then they figure out how to restore the artificial gravity and use the tactical array to escape and you know, ride the shockwave like you mentioned earlier. And that whole sequence was fun to watch them just, you know, trying to fly the ship out. And as you said, Rock Talk and Gwen are going at it. And yeah, what about this whole thing about building the the shuttlecraft? Like that was cool to me that they have a, a system that just can build practically any ship that you need. And I thought, man, Voyager could have used that. Right. I thought I felt like that was a subtle wink and nod to the audience who watched Voyager and was like, how do they have all these shuttlecraft? I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a vehicle replicator. So maybe they had that in Voyager and they just never talked about it. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense that they would have something like that. I did love also the effect of it being built around Gwyn and Rock Talk as they're fighting, too. That was a really fun sequence. That was really well done. Yeah. I also like the mess hall scene, like you mentioned earlier about Rock Talk having the same food because that's the only thing she's familiar with. And uh, it's a Nutra Goop. So mm -hmm. Nutra Group. And I want to get some of that because I want to try it to see if it's any good or not. Maybe they'll serve that at the next Star Trek convention. Somebody has to come up yeah. with that. There you go. And in this scene, we should point out it's Janeway pointing out to the young people that, you know, capitalism isn't the way of the world in the Federation. That was a fun little bit where, you know, the Tellarite Jankum Pog is like, oh, I'm a little shy on credits. And Janeway's like, the Federation has moved past traditional currency. It's free. And he's like, oh, OK. <laughs> Bring it on. It's free. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a buffet. I don't think I could handle that. I, again, you know, me snacking, watching TV. If I had a replicator in my house, Dan, I mean, we, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I know that the replicated food is nutritious in a way, but man, I feel like, you know, I'd gain like 500 pounds if I had a replicator. <laughs> I'd be ordering a cheeseburger you, like every day. You know what would be awesome? And I actually thought of this the other day. This is a total sidebar, but if you had a replicator in your house, I bet you you could program it to only dispense like 2000 calories per person per day. And like, that's it. And it'd be like, that would be great. Like to, to be able to offload that self-control off of myself and onto something else. I feel like I would make use of that. And you know, I, I think that's uh, that, that would work. That's an excellent point. I so need that. I love that idea because I've right? often thought I'd love to go somewhere for a week just to like eat healthier and lose weight and just have somebody make those decisions for me. This is what you're going to eat. This is how much mm -hmm. you're going to have today. Just make all those decisions for me, not tempt me with anything, but you could do that with a replicator. Yeah. Yeah. You have like a limit. It's like your bank account, right? You can only take out mm -hmm. so much that day or something, right? Ugh. Good idea. Because I try to do that with an app, you know, I'm tracking and I've given myself a limit, but I can still go over it. I can still cheat, but the replicator mm -hmm. would prevent you from cheating, right? Ah, good idea. I got to get exactly. on this ship. <laughs> so is there anything else about this episode that really stood out to you? Because I do want to talk about the very end Janeway's speech about how this crew is forming together. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was a great moment. Uh, you know, I like I think I've said most of what I want to say about this episode. I really enjoyed it. The ending, of course, the the escape from this phenomenon was a very Star Trek type ending and something even we've seen even Janeway do with Voyager before. I, my mind went to the episode Scientific Method where she flew the ship between two pulsars and, and rode shockwaves out of that and stuff. And it was like, yeah, this feels very Star Trek, but even more specifically, very Voyager. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, nothing but good things, I think, other than a little bit of annoyance with Dahl. But I think we're supposed to be annoyed with him at this point. I'm curious to see more of Gwyn and her kind of coming around 
because we know that'll happen, right? She's going to come around and join this crew at some point, I think. And then, of course, when the Diviner catches up with them, what what's that going to mean as well? So I'm looking forward to all of that. There's a lot of setup here for some great stuff to come. So, yeah, really enjoying this one. I don't know. Are we giving ratings yet? I, I'm, I'm not sure what to rate it because... I don't want to just give everything fives all the time, but it's pretty darn good. I'm going to rate it a pretty darn good. That's that's my rating this week. Yeah, I'm, I am I agree with you on that. I think about David Mack, who mentioned to us at one point, you know, he's a consultant on the show, and he said his favorite character is Gwen. And I'm waiting to see more of Gwen and see that character develop more. And I mean, I'm already interested in the character, but I, I feel like we're going to get a lot more of Gwen and really be blown away by her. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's on par with the previous two. So I gave the previous two five out of five. So I'll give this five out of five bunks in the bunk room. Nice. But I did like at the end, Janeway kind of sums up really what the show is going to be about and what's going to happen with our core cast of characters when she says, I must say, when the Federation first formed, it wasn't pretty. A collection of species, entirely unfamiliar to each other, different languages, different cultures, but with one shared aspiration, to be better. And I think that sums up what this series is all about. For this Absolutely. Point. Definitely. I, I love the the conceit with this series, too. I, I keep coming back to this, and this is in the last episode, but the universal translator thing with them all not understanding each other at the beginning and then being brought together and understanding each other, like, that's just so quintessentially Star Trek. I thought that was a brilliant move on the, on the creators of the show. Yeah, and there's one mystery that I want to be cleared up, and what is Merck throwing up on Zero? <laughs> Murph, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was, uh, I can see Zero's reticence to share a bunk with him, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this the Nickelodeon slime in the Star Trek universe? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that that must be it. <laughs> so, well, I guess that just about does it. We'll, of course, come back next week and talk about the next episode of Prodigy, which I'm really looking forward to doing. So, Dan, when people want to find you online, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. I'm also on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And of course, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. And you can find me on the Positively Trek podcast. Oh, wait, duh, you're listening to that now. But you can also find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And occasionally on the Star Wars report and the Literary Treks podcast. So thank you all for joining us. And until next time, stay positive. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.